you've received tonight, give the Lord a hand clap of praise and you may be seated. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team, this evening. Uh, before Dennis comes uh, tonight, and I hope you've enjoyed as he stirred our heart for revival, uh, I want to, this weekend, our men will be out on their fishing trip overnight, and that's going to be, uh, there's, there should have been a, you should have received an email with the detailed instructions. If you need further instructions, just let us know. Uh, those of you guys that are going on the camping fishing trip uh, this Friday and Saturday. We will dismiss a prayer meeting in the sanctuary. I'm going to ask you to be praying at home. Amen. Don't just forsake it. Just we're going to let you pray in your location, okay? We'll come back together the following week. Friend day on Sunday. And so invite somebody. We're going to just expecting a lot of folks to come out. Just want to have fun uh, and minister the word of God. If you are available Saturday, 10 a.m., Saturday, 10 a.m., if you're available and you would like to help us do some setup, which means we're hoping and praying some of our pew folks that are supposed to come pick up the pews fell through. We're hoping to get more individuals come to pick up the pews. But if not, we're going to either way, we've got to do some rearranging. So if you have 10 a.m. Saturday morning, if you've got a couple of hours to spare, appreciate it. Come on out and help us. Amen. I'll save the other uh, announcements till uh, till later, except this one. We have a new members class. This is new, just just fresh off the press. There's going to be a new members class, a new members orientation, and that's going to take place Sunday the 6th in the conference room. That's the room next to the office. And so if you're interested in membership, you can join us in there. I want Dennis to come and just share what's on his heart tonight. We appreciate them. Come on and give Dennis some warm welcome tonight as he's going to finish up this evening give our pastor a big hand let me get this one right here this this one no i want that one i want this one right here i want this one <laughs> uh, i just i just i just had to do that i'm sorry here no i don't need that one thank you all I need now is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Come on, put your hand on me and pray. Oh, yes, thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> I'm, uh, sorry, sorry, Pastor Angel. Sometimes my meanness just comes out. Ask my wife. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Pastor, for letting me come since I invited myself. Hallelujah. But I had a burden on my heart for America. It's not anything you plan. It's not anything you say, well, I'm going to just have a burden on my heart. But sometimes it can get on you so strong, you think, I wish it would lift a little bit, right? And that's when you have to focus on the Word of God. That's when you have to trust God, believe God, hear from God, and obey God. And He will bring us through. I know we've, uh, we've talked about a lot of heavy stuff, and really we've only barely touched the surface. There's so much more, and a lot of it I really felt like I should leave out. Number one, for time. Number two, I'm not sure if we could bear it right now, but we have a starting point. We have a starting point. How many believe that revival will do something in our land? Father, we thank you tonight for 
your word. We thank you for your speaking to us. Just ask you to have your way. You are good and you are God, and we thank you, Father, that you're on your throne. And there is nothing impossible with you. Just help us to get in step with you, in agreement with you, and to lay hold of the promises so we can see those promises fulfilled. And everybody said, Amen. I want to read one quick story. I read it here one time, but this is just a quick takeoff. This was in 1857. A man named Jeremiah Lamphere started a prayer meeting in Manhattan. He advertised it, but only six people showed up from a population of one million. The following week, it was 14, then 23. Then they decided to meet every day. Soon they filled all the churches, and then every public building, listen to this, in downtown New York. People began to be converted 10,000 a week in New York City. The movement spread through New York and New England. The church bells would ring. People would pray at 8, noon, and 12, and 6 in the evening. The revival went up the Hudson and down the Mohawk. And listen to this. In one year, more than one million people were converted. And its effect was felt for 40 years. It began in a movement of prayer, and it was sustained in a movement of prayer. Can that happen now? Do we need it to happen now? We need something to happen, right? We don't have to duplicate what God's already done. He can do that if he wants to, but we need something. We need a revival. We need a move of God, and I need to be a part of that. Amen. Let's read a few scriptures. How many believe it's okay for a preacher to read out of the Bible? I'm going to let my wife do it to save my voice, all right? Deuteronomy 4, 29 through 31. From, but from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress, and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, he will not forsake you nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. Yeah, I'll get to that one in just a second. So our God is a merciful God. I mean, he's glad for that. He's a good God, and he keeps his covenant. This nation, if you'll go back and check the real history, not the history that's been revised, in modern times, but if you'll go back and check the real history, this nation, uh, there were founders that covenanted with God and dedicated this nation to God and dedicated themselves to God, and God made a covenant with them, and God doesn't break his covenant. We break covenant, but he doesn't. Next scripture, please. Second Chronicles 20, 12. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. We don't know everything to do. We know some things to do in our particular situation in our nation. We know to vote. We know to engage. We know to run for public office. We know to pray for those that are in authority that God will either save them or remove them. So that we can have a peaceable life in all godliness, that's the will of God for each of his children. 
And any of those that stand in the way of that, I personally, I pray that first of all, God will save them. God wants to save everybody. There's nobody that God doesn't want to save. But if they don't cooperate with him, and if other people are being hurt, and if other people are being destroyed, and if his will is not being done, then God can take care of that situation. I don't take care of it. I just lift it to him and say, Lord, do what you know needs to be done. Amen? One more. Psalm 22, 4 and 5. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. So this is where we are, church. And it's not a bad place to be. It's a good place to be if we know how to trust. We can't, we can't defeat the enemy in our own natural strength, our own natural ability. There's no way. The forces that have come against this nation, there's no way in the natural that we can defeat them. There are some things we can do to better our life, but we can't defeat those spiritual things because it's a spiritual warfare except in prayer. That's how we defeat them. That's what revival is all about. There has never been a revival in history, small or large, great awakenings, reformations, moves of God. There's never been one except when there's been people that have humbled themselves before God and sought his face. And I want to read that next one. This is 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And this is what it says. If my people... Now, please, because this is so familiar, please don't discount it and please don't let it go right over your head and say, I've heard that before. Please hear what this is the word of the Lord. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Now, if means maybe they will and maybe they won't. If they do, God has some fantastic promises and some strength and some direction and some help that he will give us if we humble ourselves and pray we humble ourselves and pray because we know we can't do this by ourselves well i'm strong you're not that strong i'm smart you're not that smart because you're fighting we are wrestling not against flesh and blood but we're wrestling against spiritual entities in high places but thank god jesus defeated them and Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father high above them having stripped them spoiled them disarmed them and made a show of them openly and triumphed over them at the cross hallelujah so I'm coming in his strength I'm coming in his victory and my prayer oftentimes is I want to remind you demons Jesus is Lord and I'm in him, and he's in me, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, high above you. So if I'm seated with him, guess what? I am high above you, and I come in Jesus' name. If my people call by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face. Pastor referred to it, was it Sunday? And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will ignore them. Then I will hear them. I will forgive their sin, and here's the part I want us to see, and heal their land. This is a land healing, a nation healing promise. Thank God for all of our individual promises. 
that we can receive. This is a, na a national promise. If who? If the people of God will humble themselves and pray. That's not saying a prayer. That is giving yourself to prayer. Now, we start wherever we start. But eventually, you get to the place where prayer becomes more important and more important. And you're not just going to God saying, this is Jimmy, gimme, gimme, gimme. You're going to God and you're saying, Lord, I give myself to prayer. What do you want to say? What do you want to do? What do you want to pray through me? And listen, I got a great secret from Dr. Cole. I think he got it from Joy Dawson. How many knows when you go to pray, you have got hundreds of things sometimes to pray for? Burdens, needs. Dr. Cole taught us that when you're coming in prayer, there's a, there's a time, there's several things that you pray, but when you come to this particular area, you, you say, Lord, I'm just going to throw all of my burdens, my prayer burdens off right now. And I want you to put the ones back on me that I need to pray for. Because I tell you what, when I first got saved, <laughs> Tim, I had a, I had a list. I've, every hitchhiker I picked up, every person I ever talked to, I put their name on a list. And I found it here. I hadn't seen it in 20 or 30 years. I found it one day and I called Good night. I prayed over every name. I prayed over all of these names every day. What did I do in my spare time, you know? But I did. But you can't always pray over every single thing every day. Some things you can cast your care upon the Lord, cast your burden upon the Lord, and He will sustain you sometimes. Now, I pray for my family pretty much every day. I pray for my pastors, all friends that are, that are my pastor friends. I pray for lots of people every day. I rebuke the devil off of them. But there's some things you, you need to pray and cast it on the Lord and let him sustain you and put the burdens on you that you need to pray for. That was just a little aside. Humble themselves and pray. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. But preacher, this is Wednesday night. There ain't no bank robbers and murderers in this room. Well, in the Hebrew, face means as Pastor pointed out, it means my presence. Another Hebrew definition is my favor. So seek the face of God means to seek his favor, seek his presence. And to me, doesn't this speak of intimacy? Now think how, think how uh, crucial that this is in the time in which we live right now. This is a time that the children of God need to, must be intimate with God. You can't make a misstep now. It'll cost you big time. We need to be led by the Spirit of God, moving by the Spirit of God, directed by the Spirit of God. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to walk perfectly and never mess up. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying we need to be intimate with God so that that Holy Spirit can just say within you, Ah, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't say that. How many has ever heard a voice inside of you saying, Don't say that, and you said it anyway? And you felt terrible, didn't you? Because you knew the Holy Spirit had said, Don't say that. But you said, well, I can always repent, didn't you? No, no, don't do that. So, now, here's the word wicked. Now, as, as children of God, let's see if we can take this and properly receive it. It's not a bad thing. He said, if you'll turn from your wicked ways. Wicked here, a couple of definitions. It means disagreeable, and that would be disagreeable to God, or inferior in quality. If they'll turn from their disagreements with God, it's time for the church to get in agreement with God. Just get in agreement with God. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to do it. And he'll, he'll speak to us. He'll guide us. Just get in agreement with him. 
And the other one is inferior in quality. Turn from those things that are inferior in quality. Maybe that would be, maybe that would be sins and weights. See, if I'm running a race, I'm not going to grab this pulpit and say, come on, let's race, y'all. It wouldn't be wrong for me to do that. It would just be stupid. <laughs> Lay aside every weight and the sin which would so easily beset you. Disagreeable to God or inferior in quality. Along that line, since we're talking about revival, Evan Roberts of the Welsh Revival had four things that he said were necessary to receive revival blessings. I want to give you the first two because they have to do, they relate to this turning from wicked ways. Number one, if there is past sin or sin hitherto unconfessed, we cannot receive the work of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we must search, and I'm going to say, in my, I'm, this is me, I'm going to say, we must search a little bit and let God search a lot. Because I don't want to dig too deep on my own. There's a lot of stuff in there. I don't, I'm going to let God bring it out just, just one thing at a time. He spoke unto them as they were able to hear it, okay? There must be a search. There must be letting the Holy Spirit search or we won't have revival. Number two, if there's anything doubtful in our lives, anything we are uncertain about of its rightness or its wrongness, it must be removed. So, We've got to remove the things that we know are there. Now, now don't, don't go bringing up stuff and just saying, well, I wonder if, I wonder if. Just say, Lord, if you'll show me, I'll deal with it, and I'll, I'll try to get it out of my life and let you work there. But you don't have to go digging it up. L let's look at, since we're talking about revival, let's look at some of the uh, powerful history uh, of prayer as it relates to revival. Am I kind of echoing just a little bit of boom, 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 boom? Yeah. In 1722, a group of John Huss followers, he was one of the early fathers, uh, from Moravia, which is a part of the Czech Republic, they, they fled to Germany looking for religious freedom. There was a godly man, and I'm only say this one time, after that it's a different name. His name was Count Zinzendorf. From now on he's Count Z, okay? So Count Z gave them land, these that were fleeing persecution, and they called it Hernhut Village. They were going to uh, build a village of believers there. Well, after a little while, there became a little strife there. You know, you look throughout history, and the devil is always stirring up strife, strife, stuff. So these, these who were, this, this Count Zindorzorf, he was a, a real godly man. So he comes and he says, let's all get together at church. And he spoke to them. Now, I thought I did bad last week, speaking for nearly an hour. But it said that he addressed the congregation speaking three hours on the blessedness of Christian unity. Conviction fell on the town and the Lord, because the people then started seeking God for revival. And they said that men, women, children, they were all laying out on the floor just asking God to forgive them and restore the unity. Unity's big with God. Disunity is big with the devil. God always adds and multiplies. The devil always subtracts and divides. So here they were. They began to weep and pray before the Lord. Five days later, in another afternoon service, uh, people began to pray and repent before God. There was crying, I'm going to read it here, crying, weeping, repentance continued until midnight. Then at midnight, they broke out in praise and worship, and, and 
Count Z said it was their Pentecost. Two weeks later, now this is amazing. Two weeks later, 24 men and 24 women covenanted together to begin praying around the clock. One man and one woman in separate places would pray one-hour shifts. That's 24-7 they would pray. So they prayed whatever God would put on their heart, and then mostly they were praying for revival and to be able to reach the lost. Revival, revival and reaching the lost pretty much goes together. See, revival is not just so I can feel good and jump and shout. You might do that too. But revival is so you can uh, be empowered with the Spirit of God, full of the life of God, and people just look at you and say, Wow, I like that. I want that. What you got? So two weeks after this repentance and prayer, they began to pray, and they prayed around the clock. Now listen to this. For revival for 100 years, 24-7 for 100 years. Now here's the connection. The great New England earthquake of 1727 came just, came just months after the Moravians began praying, and it's an event that the historians say was the beginning of the first great awakening. Then Charles Finney's uh, re revival at Rochester, New York, uh, was they said was about the end, was the high the high point of the revival, and it was just about the time that the Moravians stopped their praying for 100 years. Do you think you think that prayer had anything to do with the first? Great Awakening and the Second Great Awakening. Think it had anything at all to do with it? 100 years of prayer, 24-7 around the clock. I say yes, it had a lot to do with it. Had a lot to do with it. Now, for those of you who, the first story I read, what did it say? Thousands and thousands of prayer people. But I want to I wanna bring it back down now to one person. One person. I want to tell you some stories here so that you won't discount the role of prayer uh, in, in one single prayer warrior. One single prayer warrior can make a difference. And let's look at Charles Finney's meeting in uh, Rochester, New York. It, was, it went for about seven months. He preached, uh, Pastor, he preached several nights and then three times on Sunday, every week for seven months. Imagine he was tired or else he was mighty infused by the Spirit. But here's what happened. Nearly the entire population was converted, roughly 100,000 people in the region. Seven months, in seven months. 100,000 people in the region came to the Lord. It was a revival that touched all classes. I mean, all classes were touched. It even said that there was a high school class that they could not do their studies because they were concerned about their soul. And they told their teacher, we can't do our studies. And he thought it was a ploy. He thought they were just trying to get out of their homework. So he invited Finney to come to the school. So Finney comes to the school, the whole school gets saved, and even the director gets saved, who thought it was a ploy because he wasn't saved either. And 40 of those students later on became ministers. That's, that's a, I'd like to see something like that, wouldn't you? Hallelujah. Then there was D.L. Moody. I'm gonna give you the summation of D.L. Moody's accomplishments from one of his critics. One of his critics best summed up his life when he said, in his rage to save souls, he traveled more than a million miles. He addressed more than 100 million. 
and personally prayed for and pled with 750,000 sinners. And here was his last line of the critic. All in all, it is very probable, very probable as his admirers claim that he reduced the population of hell by a million souls. But now, I want to take you behind the scenes to some of the reason for some of these successes. We'll do Finney and then D.L. Moody. <clears throat> Finney met a man named Daniel Nash. He was called Father Nash. Father Nash <clears throat> had been infected with an eye disease. He couldn't see, he couldn't read, he couldn't write, so he just went to a dark room and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And he stayed in that room and prayed until he came out healed. Well, when Finney met him, they, 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 they had a real, uh, uh, they just kind of joined together. They both had the same uh, thoughts on ministry and what they wanted to do for the Lord. So what Nash would do, the pattern of ministry that they developed was when Finney would go into a town, Nash would go before him, uh, sometimes three weeks, four weeks. He would go in with a, uh, usually just maybe one other person or two people, but one of the people was uh, Abel Clary. So Father Nash and Abel Clary, sometimes even Nash by himself, and I want you to, I want you to get the significance here of it was only two or three people. Only two or three people. Father Nash, Abel Clary, and maybe one other person that was in that church or in that vicinity or in that city that they were coming to have the revival. Nash would go in, he would find a house, and he would begin to pray. Two or three weeks he would pray, and then Finney would come to town when it was the right time. And when Finney would come to town, Nash would not go to the meetings. He just stayed in the house and prayed. Clary stayed in the house and prayed. They, they didn't hardly ever go to the meetings. People even wondered, where, where were they? And they said, well, they are praying for the meetings. And so this was one of those, uh, what would you call, behind the scene things that was taking place that was enabling some of the things that happened to Finney. Here's what it said of Abel Clary. It said that Abel Clary was, would pray so hard and so strong that he couldn't even stay on his knees. He just would fall over on the ground. And somebody heard him one time and said the groaning and the agonizing was just, they just they couldn't believe it. But that's why, and even Finney said that was why, that it was a major part of the revival. Finney said the key which, un listen to this church, the key which unlocked the heavens in this revival, this is Finney talking, was the prayer of Abel Clary, Father Nash and other unnamed folks who, I love this, this, sim, this picture, laid themselves prostrate before God's throne and besought him for a divine outpouring. A divine outpouring, and that's what God did. Now, Moody's support, his secret weapon, his unseen support for some of the great things that he did, was a lady by the name of Mary Ann Adler of the UK. She was sick. She was in bed. Her sister and her went to the same church. Of course, she didn't go to church because she was bedridden. So she goes, the sister goes to church. And uh, in a few days before this, Mary had seen an article in the newspaper about D.L. Moody and some of the things that were happening. She said, oh, God, I want him to come to our church. She was praying for revival for her church. She had a prayer vigil. One person praying for revival. She saw Moody, 
in the paper and she prayed and he he came to their church the sister she didn't even know it the sister came and said guess who preached in our church this morning and Mary said who and she said D.L. Moody she said God answered my prayer so D.L. Moody came to her uh, a few maybe weeks later and Mary had a prayer book she had a little prayer book and in her prayer book what she would do is she would ask different preachers or different ones to put their name in the book and so uh, D.L. Moody put his name in the book and I think D.L. Moody died in about 1999 1899 yeah he wouldn't oh, be quite old if he was 1999 1899 so when they looked at the book she had prayed for D.L. Moody for about 27 years every single day now my question is do you think that had anything to do or something to do with D.L. Moody's success just one prayer warrior see you may just be one but you can make a difference you can make a difference somebody say I can make a difference so prayer had an impact now I'm gonna do a couple more things and then we're gonna turn it back to pastor I want to talk to you just a couple of minutes that's a lie I want to talk to you 10 minutes about targeted prayer we're going to talk about targeted prayer for in two areas individuals and cities dr. R.A. Torrey an evangelist in the 19 early 1900s tells of a story of a town in Maine the churches were dead they were accomplishing nothing there just wasn't anything happening so there were some there's some Christian men thank God for men who pray they got together in, in several churches they got together <clears throat> and they said let's let's band together and pray that God will do something in our city it's a true story so they got together and they began to pray and they said what are we going to pray for so they targeted now listen to this they targeted their first target was let's pray for the hardest worst man the worst sinner in this city so they picked out a man they prayed for him he was a help, hopeless drunk just just a terrible person they prayed for him they all united they targeted their prayer in one week he was saved they just they just decided to keep praying so they centered their prayers on the next hardest man soon he was converted then they took up another and another until within a year two or three hundred were brought to Christ they just kept targeting and kept praying and kept targeting you know sometimes we pray like shotgun prayers God bless me and bless me and you know bless me hallelujah well what does that mean where is that going who knows find a target now you know I've had America on my heart and our government on our heart and what would what would happen perhaps if we targeted certain leaders in our government and asked the Lord to either save them or replace them see that's our challenge right now our challenge is we can have a revival started but here's here's the thing if revival started right now and maybe it already has there's a church in uh, uh, James River Assembly in where Ozark Ozark go check out the the story on what's happening there in that church revival's already started it's, it's powerful 
things are happening. But if, if revival started right now, and apparently it has, then our nation, it's still going to take a little time because, see, here's the way it works in government especially. There's some things, see, if I have a 747 broke down or I have a bicycle broke down, it's not going to take near the money or the effort or the expertise to fix the bicycle. But when you've got a whole nation that is, don't get me started. Go ahead and get me started. Okay. It's going to take more. First, we have to remove evil. Then we have to replace with good, and then we have to repair. That takes a little time. But why should I give up just because it takes a little time? We didn't get where we are overnight. Do you still love me? Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you, how many? If two of you agree, meaning synthesize or like a symphony, on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Jesus is right here. Jesus is here. Joyce Meyer said she's preaching one time and people could see two angels behind her as she was preaching, and she said when she opened her Bible, they stood to attention. Jesus is here. Two or three gathered in his... How many is in his name? Then he's here. If we get in agreement, these men got in agreement, and they targeted their prayer, and God did what he said he would do. Amen? Now, here's Tory's prescription for revival, which doesn't require very many. Would you like to hear it? He said, number one, let a few Christians, they need not be many, get thoroughly right with God themselves. And because he said, this is the prime essential. It is, if it's, this is not done, the rest will come to nothing. But if we do that, those few Christians, number two, let them bind themselves together in a prayer group to pray for revival until God opens the heaven and comes down. Now listen. Number three, let them put themselves at the disposal of God for him to use as he sees fit in winning others to Christ. That is all, and you'll have revival. And here's what he said. I've given this prescription around the world. It has been taken by many churches and many communities, and in no instance has it ever failed. And he said, and it can't fail. There's targeting for individuals. Now, you want to move on up the ladder a little bit? How much time do I have? Whatever. Honey, you, don't, you, know, you, you know you tell me. You know that you don't just talk to me like that. You tell me, boy. You tell me, keep it short, stupid. I know. Okay. She didn't say that, really. She doesn't. She's very, very, I'm going to get slapped when I get home, and I deserve it. All right, let's go on to the next point here before I... Before. So we have a, individuals that we can target. Now we're going to move on up. Let's target a city. True story back in the 1990s. Some of you may have heard this, but this is Cali, Colombia. Here were the conditions. It was run by drug cartels, and not, these are not small-time guys either. They were selling cocaine at approximately $500 million 
dollars. Let me get it right here. Each month. So they were buying these big haciendas. They were buying in the in these upscale neighborhoods, and they were putting thirty foot walls around their their places with security cameras on them, guard dogs outside. They had tunnels underneath these big places. <laughs> and any time of the day, if the gates open, and out came a procession of black Mercedes, you better pull over off of the road because approximately 15 people a day were killed if they didn't abide by this etiquette. You pull over, you hope they don't see you, and you let them get on by. It was corrupt to the bone. As a matter of fact, Cali at one time was known as the murder capital of the world, the world. So, enter Julio and Ruth Rubal and Randy and Marcy McMillan. They begin to intercede fervently for the city, but here's the place where they started. And I wonder, should we start here maybe? They asked the Lord how to pray, and he said he did. And for the next several months, they focused on the local churches and their meager hunger for the word of God and their lack of unity and their lack of holiness. That's where they focused because they said, if we get that right, then we will invite the presence of God. How many knows we need the presence of God? I mean, if we don't have the presence of God, we, we're, this is about the stupidest thing you could ever do. You might as well go home and watch Netflix or something. This is really ridiculous what we're doing, wasting our time, taking our time. If the presence of God is not here, but the presence of God is here. Hallelujah. So they prayed this. Well, eventually it began to take effect and the pastors began to unite. And as they united, they came up with a plan. They said, let's rent the Civic Auditorium, which holds about uh, 25,000. But they didn't really have faith that, it would, that they could get that many people out there. So they joined all their churches. They said, let's, let's rent it. We'll rope off a lot of the seats, and we'll probably get a couple of thousand people there. Maybe a few thousand will come. I don't know. So they roped it off, and that night, 25,000 people, at, on the day when they had scheduled, the 25,000 people showed up. And they prayed until 6 o'clock the next morning, all night long until 6 the next morning. And here's what happened. 48 hours after the event, the city's new newspaper headline read, No Homicides, in a, in a nation that had been cursed with the highest homicide rate in the nation, a city. No more homicides. 900, a few months ago, yeah, a few months later, 900 cartel-linked officers were fired from the Metropolitan Police Force. By the way, Cali is a city of about 2 million. I think it's a million 500 then. So 900 policemen owned the police force that were connected with the cartel. The cartel was running banks. They were running businesses. They were running... Uh, they were uh, uh, paying politicians off, and they were affecting the government. They pretty much ran it all. So... The police were fired during the time. Now, this is what I'd like to see happen with me and you and all of us. While the intercessors were praying, they reported dreams in which angelic forces apprehended leaders of the cartels. Many interpreted this as a prophetic sign that the Holy Spirit was about to move against the cartels and, listen to this, and their spiritual 
entities that were leading and empowering them. So they had these visions, they had these words. So what happened is, when in about six weeks after this, after the visions, and we, we're only talking about four or five months total time here, after, after these visions of the Holy Spirit, the Colombian government declared war against the drug cartels and they sent 6,500 elite commandos in to capture seven of the top cartel people. And so they rounded them all up and so they captured all seven of them, all seven of these drug lords within three months. Now some of the churches then established a prayer perimeter. They had 250 cars. They were driving around town and praying. And, and one church uh, drove around, uh, they had several cars that drove around in a prayer perimeter and they went around one drug lord who had gotten out of prison. They, and, and this article said he was a billionaire drug lord. He had gotten out of prison, but as they prayed and drove around, then the uh, police, he, he died in a, a fight with the police. So if my people call by my name, humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, my presence, turn from their wicked ways, things that displease the Lord, then I will hear from heaven and do what? I will heal the land. Now, if you think we're going to pray one day or two and look around and say, wow, it's all happened, it's not, it's not going to happen that way. But if we will commit ourselves to say, this is what God's Word says, and I'm going to pray, and I'm not going to be moved by what I see, I'm going to be moved by what God says, and you just call that out to God and say, Lord, you said, and so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to receive help from you, and you're going to move in our land, and you're going to move people, or you're going to do this, or you're going to do that, you're going to move with people, or you're going to do some of these things all by yourself, but God, you are going to move, and that's where, I, that's my radar, I'm going to be set on that, that you are going to do it, or we can look around and say, man, it's all terrible, it's going to hell and in the natural it is but if you look around at that and don't look at the word of God I know what's going on in the world but I only want to know what's going on in the world to the degree I know what's going on in the word so here's the takeaways we need a revival desperately God is willing to give us a revival if we obey him if we don't have a revival, we're going to have more of what we have right now and even worse. Revival may not fix everything in our nation overnight, but it's our major hope to start the process. And listen to this. Our culture will change at the speed of our obedience and the effectiveness of our prayers. We can do much after we pray, but we can't do much until we have prayed. So, unified prayer can bring the change. It'll bring a change in me, and then it can bring a change in my family, it can bring a change in my city. But I want to encourage you, put, set your face like a flint and say, this is what the Word of God says. Don't care what I see, don't care what I hear. And listen, half the stuff, no, not half, 99% of the stuff you hear is, is a bunch of lies and propaganda anyhow. 
listen to the word, listen to God's word, listen to the truth, be edified by the truth, built up in the truth. Get in your Bible, study your Bible, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Hallelujah. That's all we got to do. Humble ourselves, pray, draw near to God and then God will do what we can't do and he will also tell us what we can do. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you tonight. Praise you tonight, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, that we have the, the avenue of prayer, that we can approach the throne of grace boldly. We can come before your throne. We can find grace to help in our time of need. Lord, we have a time of great need right now. Lord, we know that we have need of your presence. We have need of your face, Lord God. So at this time, I pray, I pray that you'll start ratcheting up our desire for revival, for intimacy. Ratchet it up, Lord God. Put, put, put like, like on those horses, Lord. Just put those blinders so that we, we only see what we need to see straight ahead. And ratchet it up in us, Lord. Stir that hunger. I'm going to ask Pastor to come, and he can just close it out however he'd like to close it out. Come on, somebody lift your hands and worship the Lord tonight, would you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want you to stand with me, if you will. We're going to, a couple of things I want to pray in agreement with you, and then we're going to pray over a missionary tonight before we take our missions offering. But I want you to pray this way. But The Lord revealed this to me the other day in prayer. Anywhere there is a major attack taking place, God's getting ready to move. But think about it just a moment. We think about our children. Think about the attack that has been upon our children. There's been an attack upon their identity, upon their sexuality. There's been sex trafficking. It is beyond proportion. It is beyond anything we can comprehend there's a severe attack upon our children now this may sound non-spiritual but it has every spiritual implication there's attack on finances the gospel is free but it takes resources in order to keep doors open to churches and ministries flowing in foreign countries so if you can sh shut off the supply lines you can starve out that city that's how every war is won. You cut off the supply lines. So we're going to, if there's a severe attack on the finances, that tells me God's getting ready to move in those areas. We see that our government in the United States of America, my Lord, have we ever seen any stranger day than what we're living there? And I'm just saying that politely. I, I do, I absolutely agree that we need to pray in these coming elections that the voice of God may be heard that those that need to be removed are removed. And it's we're not praying for politicians to save us. We're praying that the church steps into politics. Amen? I, I want you about now to lift your hands to heaven. God is, God, Father, we come before you, Lord, today. And, Father, we lift up our children before the throne of grace. 
We absolutely refuse, Lord God, to allow our children, Lord God, to be anything other than what you have called them to be, what you have purposed for them to be, what you desire for them to be. And Lord, every lying spirit, Lord God, that has come in, Lord God, through the guise, Lord God, of education and inclusion, Lord God, let it be destroyed. And Lord God, let the covers lift off of it. And Lord God, let our children awaken, God. I believe that there is a revival, Lord God, right now among our children, Lord, that you're raising the, up the innocence, Lord God, of our babies, Lord, and we will see a generation, Lord God, where they will be spirit-filled, Lord God. They will see visions, Lord. They will accomplish the will of God. Now, Lord, I pray for the financial resources, Lord God, in this house, in this state, Lord God, in the United States and abroad. I pray, Father God, for the church that has been under attack, Lord God, in the area of resource and finance. Lord God, let there be a financial release, Lord God. And, Lord, we will obey, Father God, in sanctifying the whole with, Lord, bringing you the tithe. Lord, we believe, Almighty God, that you have a day, Lord God, of unprecedented, Lord God, resource that will pour in. There is ideas, ingenuity, Lord God, inventions, Lord, that are going to come forth, Lord, in this revival. Now, Father, we come before you today more than concerned citizens, my God. We come to you, Lord, as the bride of Christ. And, Lord, we speak over these elections right now. That, Lord God, those, Father God, that do not hold the agenda of the Lord God Almighty, that they will lose such favor, Father. That, Lord God, even those that step into the Lord, the election booth, to vote for them, Lord God, they will step in, Lord, and that vote will change. And, Lord, I pray in the name of the Lord that you will raise up leaders, Lord God, Lord godly, God-fearing individuals, Lord, spirit-filled, Lord, that will walk into those areas, Lord, in local, state, and federal, Lord God, Lord, arenas. Lord, we ask it in your name. Father, we ask, Almighty God, that, Lord, that you would bring a revival to America. Lord, that the intensity, God, of your spirit would be ever-increasing. Father, we cannot settle, Lord God, for the manna we had yesterday. Lord God, we can't settle for the manna we had today. Lord, we want the manna tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Lord God, we want to step into the place of promise and feast, oh Lord God, in the land that flows with milk and honey. Lord, we ask in the name of the Lord God that you would move, Father, Move, God. Lord, that there be a breakthrough, Lord God, like a rushing mighty river, Lord. Begin to, Lord, destroy everything, Father, that hinders your presence, Lord. I pray, my God, against false image. I pray, my God, against stubbornness, Lord, my God, and stiff-neckedness, Lord God, in the house of the Lord. Let us turn our eyes to you, Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith. And, Lord, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. There was an unfortunate testimony of Israel, and I am closing, that they were stiff-necked. You got an animal that you're trying to turn, but they just, what do they do? They stiffen their neck. They just keep their neck stiff and stubbornness. Let's not be stubborn people. Let's let God move our gaze back to him. Say, Lord, I'm going that way. Amen.
Amen. Tonight we're going to be praying and closing for Dwayne Grider. Dwayne, uh, they were the speakers at our Light for the Lost Banquet and it's doing a fantastic job. They are, um, they are motorcycle ministry chaplains, and they're reaching in. Some of you heard their stories. They're reaching into areas and reaching people that maybe the church, they are the church, and they're taking the church to the motorcycle ministry. They're, they're, they're going into the unreached areas in the United States and those dark areas. I want us to pray. Uh, Dwayne and his wife, Janet, has been such a tremendous blessing to, uh, to me personally as we coordinated the light, as I've coordinated the Light for the Lost tour in, in North Texas to raise funds for missionaries. These guys have gone in and just really just done above and beyond. Would you just pray right now for them and pray for our missionaries as we, as we prepare to take up our missions offering? Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, Lord, we just... Lord, we call this seed, Lord, tonight, souls in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we believe, Father, as we sow, Lord God, Lord, we're claiming more souls, Lord God, to come into the kingdom of God. And, Lord, I pray for Dwayne and Janet, Lord, that you would bless them immensely, Father, that, Lord, that you would open doors for them, Lord God, that they have been knocking on. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, souls, as they continue to plant churches, as they continue to reach the lost, Lord, that you will give them the strength and the energy, Lord, of their youth and let them continue with the zeal and the power of your spirit. Keep them safe on the road, Lord, when they are riding, when they are traveling, Lord God, and the groups that they are with. Let the light so shine in them, Lord God, to bring a transformation, Lord God, in the area of ministry that they, Lord God, have been called to. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you tonight. Love you. Appreciate you. Have a great rest of the week. And we... I didn't, I didn't realize Pastor was going to say what he said, and I didn't say this tonight. Case in point of the finances, here's what I wrote down. I got a letter. How many ever heard of Dave Reaver? Ever heard of Dave Reaver? He had a phone call the other day, and one of his best supporters who gave, uh, gave approximately, let me see, uh, $500, half a million dollars a year to his ministry. This man called and said, my business is completely gone down. And I'm sorry, but I can't send any more finances. So I asked myself this question. I said, why did this man's business decline? It was because the government policies had been enacted that leveled some of the highest inflation numbers in the U.S. economy. Why do we have these policies? Because we have people in office who have enacted them. Why are they in office? Continue to pray, church. Amen. Amen, and we know we're going to see what God wants us to see. God bless you or dismiss.